Briggs. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> this is Joe Bob Briggs. This is Jeffrey Combs. Hey, this is Scotty from Anthrax. Hi, you're listening to Adrienne Barbeau. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. You're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Broadcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. I'm saying this under duress. You better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. drive an hour and a half to this show mm-hmm. we're hanging out i know it's an outdoor show because of social distancing but it's cold as shit we all start talking and finally i say hey man i see a fire pit are we gonna light that at some point and the host goes oh yeah uh i gotta go get firewood and he <laughs> leaves the premises <laughs> to go acquire firewood his car is gone I was like, okay, solid start. Then I go, hey, is there a bar? Like, it doesn't even have to be alcohol. Do we have drinks? Oh, my gosh. Um, we've got a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is solid. So I do a shot of whiskey, which I hate, <laughs> just because I'm desperate to drink, which is always solid and healthy for your body and mind. So I do a shot, and then I go... Is there food if I'm going to start drinking? Uh, we can order something. I'm like, okay, cool. So we have no food, <laughs> like already pre-planned. And oh. as we continue to talk, I finally look at my watch. The show was supposed to start at an insane 6.30, which is early, but I'm also grateful because that means I can leave early. It is now 7.15 and there is no audience and Mr. Firewood is not back. Oh my gosh. So I tell. So this is outside. You you guys. You can't. You don't have heat. You don't have. (laughs) Is there lighting? Is there? What else is not at this place? There's no liquor. There's no nothing. There's nothing. It's like I showed up to a backyard party and no one's my friend. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's horrible. But did he did he have a well? Yes. Unfortunately, (laughs) this is the well that you're supposed to get into, and I and I and I give you lotion every couple days. I would, you know what, Jeremy, at this point, I would have called you to come hang out and get weird with you and let, let you lather me up. Like it was a horrible thing. I would let you feel my elbows, Jeremy. It was Uh, terrible. Had the rest. Are you about a a size seven? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great big fat person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big old fat girl. Hey, you want to do my? You want to do my comedy? I I actually run what's called the comedy cellar, but it's an actual cellar. (laughs) People people talk about thin girls all the time. How how are you supposed to fit into a thin girl's skin? Yeah, exactly, Mister. You don't let me out. I swear I'll hurt her. Um. Okay. So (laughs) I've seen that movie too many times. So um. I finally, in front of the few people that are there, mostly like a couple other comedians that I know and actually like. I say to this this person, I go, look, 
I am leaving in 15 minutes. What are we doing? He starts to panic. Nothing has changed. Then 10 minutes before I leave, I grab the microphone and I stand on the deck and I go, you know what? I'm just going to yell at you for 10 minutes through a microphone. And so I do. And then at 7.30 on the dot, I leave. And I'm going to wrap this up, but this this is important. Okay. I then drive the hour and a half home, annoyed as hell. Mm-hmm. Come back. 10 o'clock at night, this person texts me. I'm sorry you drove so far. Cry face, like five of them. I can always Venmo you gas. And normally, I'm an adult, and I'm not that bitchy, and I don't ask like for gas money. Mm-hmm. But I figure you wasted my time. I didn't even get to like perform. This was such a waste. You wasted my gas and my time. So I go, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. They never responded and they never Venmoed me. They were hoping I would oh. not actually take them up on the offer. I was like, bruh, I oh. am going to ruin your comedy credit. Like you thought you couldn't get pussy before in the community. You ain't getting it ever. You're useless, man. I'm so I'm still mad. Like, I, and if I do see that person now. Now I will real. be punching him in the face. So that's that that that's a real fucking deal. Holy field! I will. I now understand why other people shoot other people. Like this person. <laughs> <laughs> so, but otherwise, do you do you do you still like uh, Schofer's? Um, you know, his, as a care, as a person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Will you still use Dave Schofer for photography, though? That's the real question. <laughs> that's what I want to know. Um, no, Dave. Listen, Dave, big listener of the show. We still. <laughs> We still love you, Dave. Keep doing your thing, brother. And we know you are not, uh, you did not, um, you know, try to fuck Ashley's mouth. We know that. Okay? Um, I don't know, Dave. You're on the list. I'm sure it's going to happen at some. There you go. Whoa. Looks like everything's turning up chauffeur. <laughs> I'm so dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I didn't even say welcome to quality time with that six minute uh, intro I, right there. Uh, I like I like to think that every woman that's a comedian is like, who's the least of all these assholes that I'd actually sleep with? Hmm. Yeah, it's not a fun game. <laughs> I feel like the only ones that everyone's battling for the last spot on your list right now. You just when you think you've got the last position locked up, somebody comes up and there, there is a new challenger. <laughs> I was awoken at 6 a.m. this morning. I started to go to bed at 6 a.m. And then I got a DM from a Harrisburg open micer who wanted to fuck me. Damn, lucky. (laughs) Comedy Mecca, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. She's also a solid rapper. (laughs) (laughs) Again, enough Dave Schofer stories. Um... I need a towel. Like, I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, um... I, I I wasn't gonna go too much more into like uh, fun stuff. We had some good intros. Jeremy, do you have anything that you need to share before we got, hop into tonight's movie? I don't know if I should because I'll probably be liable. And um, if I talk about who I want to kill and why I want to kill them, probably shouldn't be good. I'm gonna say, yeah, that's that's you know, it's only bad if you actually follow through with it. Yeah, we won't get in trouble, Jeremy, if you don't tell us about it before. Oh, well, then everything's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, pro- 
problems at all. Man, I can't wait to listen to this as state's evidence one day. That's where this <laughs> podcast is going to go one day. Um, well, let's get into, hop right into tonight's movie because let me tell you, we got ourselves a doozy. 1981 classic, David Cronenberg's own motherfucking Scanners. Listen to that fucking XL9, DX9 right there, playing those hot tunes. Um, David Cronenberg, uh, the second David Cronenberg film we've done in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, Ashley, are you a fan yet? You said you, you're you not a big Cronenberg fan, but did this so, one win you over a little bit, maybe? It So this one did. So I've just really watched 90% of his movies in the last several weeks and it's kind of unintentional but I needed to know um yeah scanners I gotta be honest as we go through this film today I definitely say this is one of his best in my opinion hell yeah um that's oddly enough uh I, I shared a news article very recently um that uh said David Cronenberg's never even been nominated for best director uh, in his entire career, he has That's won great. Academy Awards though for like uh, best special effects in the movie The Fly, but I think mm-hmm. that's it. Um, which is kind of a travesty when you think about like the top four Cronenberg films, you know, Scanners, I think being one of them, the fly being another, um, I'd like to throw up uh, a history of violence because I think a history of violence is a fucking 10 out of 10 movie and it's not, I thought he was, I thought he was a good killer as, as, uh, What's his name in uh, Nightbreed? Yeah, I thought he was great in Nightbreed, man. He's fucking, he rocks shit out in Nightbreed. Um, there's another big Cronenberg movie I mean, I'm Videodrome missing. is obviously like kind of a cult, more of a cult thing. Yeah. Videodrome has a huge, I feel like a huge following. This is the other one that goes on my Mount Rushmore. I, I couldn't remember it. The Dead Zone. He also directed The Dead Zone. So oh, you're right. He did. The Dead Zone, The Fly, uh, the fly Scanners, and, um, and, uh, Little uh, fucking history of violence, which you have, if you I haven't thought, seen history of violence, it's very it's very much worth it. Vigo Mortensen's probably like, favorite. <laughs> the one the one I dislike the most has to be Dead Ringers with uh, the, just that's the one with with the twins and the uh, too any movie that has too much speculum in it is kind of weird. So really, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> so. <laughs> This uh, this movie is actually Scanners that we're going over tonight. Though is uh, was actually David Cronenberg's first actual successful film. It actually reached number one in North America when it came out, um, based off of a book um, called The Naked Lunch, which he would later go on to direct in um, 1991. He would re- actually make the movie version of Naked Lunch. But the idea of Scanners kind of comes from that because uh, there is a chapter about uh, a high tech uh, uh, agent of spies that are creating telepaths and that it's all derives from that chapter of this book but uh cronenberg mentions that this is one of the hardest films he ever had to make was scanners because he uh he, he's a canadian born uh director from toronto and apparently um this movie came about because a bunch of doctors and uh lawyers all had taxes that they had to get rid of had to do write-offs for so in october before the end of the year they had to do a bunch of their charity money and that's how the funding for this movie came about so he the he basically got a two-week notice that said, "Hey, you got any movie ideas?" And he was like, "I, I got, I got some movie ideas." And he was greenlit on a project literally two weeks later to just 
go start filming this movie that would become Scanners. And I have a little bit of audio from Cronenberg uh, talking about making Scanners and some of uh, how much high pressure it was trying to put this together on such a short notice. And we were completely disorganized. And so I was often, while everybody else would go to lunch, I would stay on the set writing what we were going to shoot later that afternoon. <laughs> and that's not a good way to make a movie. It really isn't. And we did have to do reshoots, which I normally never do. But they weren't really the normal kind of reshoots where you're reshooting something that didn't work very well. It was, these were scenes that were actually written to make sense of what we had done before. <laughs> Half the time we didn't know what the plot was about or what was going on. Uh, and in the movie, uh, I learned a lot because uh, while we were editing the movie, sometimes you'd see a character and then you'd cut away to another character. The off-camera character kept talking, but that was dialogue that I would write while we were editing the movie, you know, to, to make sense of what was going on because a lot of it didn't make any sense. Uh, however... It turned out to be the number one film in North America. It was a, my first film that was the number one film for some reason. And it was very successful. So there you go. The history of uh, throwing scanners together at the last minute and uh, really um, basically writing script as people who are at lunch. You're like, yeah, we're going to film this in an hour, which I'm pretty sure is actually Jeremy's method of filmmaking from what I've seen so far. No, I have I have everything planned out in my head, <laughs> yes, but, but, I, but I... But I don't put scripts together until the end, even though I already have what I, I need pre-planned. Uh, <laughs> but I, I for such a for a movie that was thrown together at the last minute and filmed over the course of like three months, I think this is a fucking happy mistake in the whole lexicon of his filmmaking career. Uh, a movie that puts together corporate espionage, telepaths that can explode people's heads, and uh, and an underground cult of uh, fucking people that you have to take down. I I personally love how it all kind of fit together in this train wreck of a movie i found it like very sexually thrilling because as we get into our main character i realize that i'm looking for a man just like him like i'm looking for a man that's silent but he can read my mind yes yes so uh let's jump right into the movie itself uh it starts off with local bum cameron vale who's played by Stephen lack Making his way through a food court in his local mall, which I, I love the the local '80s mall back then. Jeremy, did that take you back? Um, well, number one, <clears throat> this movie is a true story and explains a lot of things about life. That scanners are real, <laughs> and that people are bums because they they can scan. And and of course, um, the weird thing that people don't realize is that the only reason people have seizures is because of scanning mm. and um <laughs> see uh, that's where i call bullshit because if if bums really could scan you they'd already know i don't have money to give them outside of the 7-eleven <laughs> and that <laughs> that's the difference i think where I where I know it's a fictional movie. So yeah. right away we can see that uh, he has a bit of a sixth sense uh, as he can hear a woman talking shit about him from across the food court. He doesn't take kindly to uh, to that and starts focusing in on her, and you can hear his uh, high pitched scanning sound that's giving her a lot of fucking uh, agony. Yeah. 
about to bust. And uh, it's Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> so Turn it I, off. I didn't know if you boys actually knew this, but all women can actually do this. We do this mental warfare thing where we just torture each other. Oh yeah, this is this is Ashley just meeting any other woman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would did, I would revisit that statement, but sure. Did, did anybody notice the uh, the sign right behind um, uh, Stephen when he sat down to eat the the, the already eaten lunch? No, what was that? Court? There was a there was actually like a corn dog labeled the Pogo corn dog bef- behind him. Ooh. Yeah, probably has nothing to do with Gacy, of course. Although <laughs> Gacy definitely would have sold corn dogs if he could. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just a simple child molester and a corn dog salesman, and I'm ready to pass these savings on to you. Come to Pogo, <laughs> oh, it's Pogo the Clown with a Pogo the Clown corn dog because kids love them in their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine fucking John Wayne Gacy breading his cock in the back. Like, <laughs> um, that's all I got. So anyway, uh, as this lady collapses and writhes on the ground, two goons in trench coats see him, dart him in the neck, and he gets dragged off. Um, our hero then wakes up in a bed in a large open factory room and meets Dr. Paul Ruth, paid by uh, Patrick McGowan. McGowan? McGuhan. Um, Jeremy, what is what is your favorite Patrick McGuhan role? Well, can you give me a little reverb on this? Uh, yeah, it's all the way up. <clears throat> you are the new scanner. <laughs> I am not a scanner. I am a free man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was the star of the show, The Prisoner from the 60s, about a giant balloon that'll put you in uh, 1984 jail, right? Is that a... Can I I also say my favorite homophobe king from from Braveheart? (laughs) Yes, I will say that he is... That was going to be my pick, was the movie Braveheart. I love him as Edward Longshanks. Well, tell me what your your ideas about this war. Ah! He throws his his son's lover out of a castle window, and uh, I do. I also do love uh, that he he's also the biggest um, uh, proponent for prima nocta, which uh, again. <laughs> is our libertarian future guys uh and we're now a libertarian podcast where i i tell i i talk about the platform and the and the things you know you know that that's the trade-off these days it's like you know you're 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 uh homophobic but you're for rape Mm. it's kind of like a bad trade-off if you ask me i like it i don't like it it's actually really bad but anyway um, Ashley was going to say something before I. Sorry. You know what? I don't, I'm going to take. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to push it back deep down inside where a dick should be. We're good. <laughs> Sit so, on it. So in this. In this factory room that he wakes up, he's tied to a uh, a bed, uh, and we have <sighs> Doctor Ruth gets to talk to uh, our hero Cameron. Thirty five years old, Mister Vale. Why are you such a derelict, such a piece of human junk? (laughs) The answer is simple. You're a scanner, which you don't realize. That has been the source of all your agony. 
But I will show you now that it can be a source of great power. Whoa. Can I can I add some trivia to this? Yeah, please. That David Cronenberg had originally wanted to cast the Dr. Ruth as the uh, the guy who teaches them about scanning, uh, which would have made Dr. that scene a lot weirder. Yes, I will tell you when I'm not talking about erections and orgasms that you are a scanner. I am Dr. Ruth. I am German. Here, look at my look at my unshaved in vagina. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you are. Oh damn it! Scan this with your brain, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm just seeing the scene of her shaving in front of him. Oh God! Dr. Ruth, please put your pussy away. <laughs> <laughs> what? I can make a talk and I like to smoke as well <laughs> and it's just like scene after scene of her firing ping pong balls at his face so. what is happening like, I thought I thought by my lack of sleep I wasn't even like oh you know what I'm gonna be the freak on the show today because I'm so sleep deprived <laughs> you were wrong <laughs> always um, so, uh, oh, Dr. Ruth. the, uh, the good Dr. Ruth then brings in a whole room full of people and, uh, sits them in there and, uh, he can, and, uh, you can see Cameron's scanning is just going out of control. He can't control or focus on anything. Hours pass as the, su- the sounds slowly begin to dull and get a little bit softer as he gets his injections of ephemeral, which is a, uh, a special drug that kind of keeps the scanning at bay. Um, helps him kind of hone his power so they're not so turned up to 11. Um, we also used to put it in Stacker, too. It's how he lost so much weight in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, next, we're transported to uh, the Consec building, a giant corporation, and there is a conference going on and uh, the beginning of our most iconic scene. I would like to scan all of you in this room, one at a time. I must remind you that the uh, scanning experience is usually a painful one, sometimes resulting in nosebleeds, earaches, stomach cramps, nausea, sometimes other symptoms of a similar nature. There's a doctor present, Dr. Gatineau. I know that you've all been prepared for this, but I thought I'd just remind you just the same. Uh, There is one other thing. No one is to leave this room once the demonstration has begun. At this point, I'd like to call for volunteers. And so he does. A man raises his hand, which we will soon find out is uh, uh, our antagonist. Uh, He brings him up to the front to sit next to him and... I'd, I'd like you to think of something specific. Something that will not breach the security of your organization. And that you will not object to having disclosed to this group. Something uh, personal, perhaps. All right. Yes, I have something. Do I have to close my eyes? It doesn't matter. All right, yes, I have something. And they close his eyes, but immediately you can see the guy who's trying to do the scanning as part of this demonstration is having a lot of trouble with the guy he's scanning because you'll soon find out that that is indeed Revic, played by... Uh, uh, Jeremy Ironsides or Michael Irons? Yes. Michael Ironsides. Jeremy Ironsides. <laughs> Michael Ironside, which uh, 
a great role for him right here. There's um, another thing to would notice that David Cronenberg only hires people with iron in their names. Oh. He has a deficiency otherwise. <laughs> well, you're a very good actor, but is your name iron in some way? No, but I'm willing to change that. <laughs> and then that guy would My name do is that. Matt Instead of Matt Damon, it's Matt Irons. Yes, uh, uh, and people don't people don't know this, but uh, back in the day, uh, you didn't know this, even though he came from a famous acting family. For a brief time, he went by uh, Robert Downey Iron Jr. Uh, that was actually his real name, Iron Iron Jr. That's all I and got. And he named his son Bounce. Yeah. So, and now the new movie starring Brad Pitt Irons. <laughs> so uh, the scan begins, and you can see that Revic is kind of in control and uh, really pushing some psycho waves towards him. Oh, there, that was what I wanted. The other scanner starts to writhe in pain until it reaches a full crescendo. And they pull back, and you get to see the epic fucking head explosion. Yeah! Which is... God damn it, that isn't the best scene in this movie other than the very end. Oh, God. The only, the only thing that could have made this scene better is as soon as the guy's head explodes... Alanis Morissette walks onto the camera with a guitar and starts singing, Is It an Ironic? Isn't it ironic? <laughs> I like that you're really leaning on this ironic bit, because that, that, that's you did the bit two episodes ago for the first Wishmaster episode as well. You can't I stop. Love, I loved this scene because it reminds me every time like I get like a big zit on my face, I have the same reaction when you pop it. It's just all that, just, oh, just all that pressure just releases and it makes a mess everywhere. Ugh. I don't... I think it was just a big uh, coincidence that it had exploded because Michael Ironsides wasn't acting weird at all. Yeah, yeah. I uh, This special effect is pretty wild. The way that they did this, and I, I've never heard of another movie that did a, a practical effect like this, is they took a uh, latex head of the guy, filled it with dog food and a bunch of other butcher innards, and then and then they actually shot it with a 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> Away. No they actually that's how they, it actually explodes there was no internal explosives they blew that's the cool. fucking head off with a shotgun so if you ever wonder what a real shotgun blast to the head would look like it's exactly that so. um i just want to say this actually happened to me <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it happened during the last episode of the mandalorian second season oh when luke skywalker showed up and my head exploded. See, for me, the while I was masturbating, I'm gonna say that I, my head exploded like four episodes into the, before that when I finally got to see Boba Fett and his fucking armor go off on a clowns. Uh, and I love a fat Boba Fett. I think that really adds adds to the character that he's a, a large man in his later I years. I pretend to have that reaction so I can get laid by other nerds. <laughs> Oh, I love Boba Fett. Take your pants off. You like please. Boba Fett? Oh, panties coming off. Oh. <laughs> I'm a Boba Fett that I'm going to suck that dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boba Fett. You, you ever seen a two-inch lightsaber? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm the Mandahorian. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> so, uh, 
pretty cool fucking scene. Now, originally that scene was supposed to be at the very, very beginning of the movie, but Cronenberg uh, decided to move it like 15 minutes in, uh, so in case people showed up late to the movie, they'd still get to see the head explode. That's actually kind of an interesting point, because you know what? I actually, I know that's a that's amazing because I did think about that. Like that would have been an insane and almost perfect opener, but I, I like I understand why he did it. But I I did have that actual thought. Like, what if this was the opening of the movie, and I think it would be twice as rad. Which I think is equally as good if you're like you're like a family just walking into a theater by accident. Like, hey kids, I think this is <laughs> I think this is Pete's dragon. Oh, oh no, this isn't Pete's dragon. The guy's head just exploded. Man, Pete. Oh, wow. Disney's really getting really graphic. Let's go to a nice wholesome film. I heard they're playing Song of the South in the other theater. We walked into the we rocked into the wrong theater. <laughs> Let's uh, I need to watch a good wholesome Disney film with uh tar babies in it. That'll that's what'll fix hey, this. <laughs> hey, Aaron is not here. Stop it. I know. Hey, hey D- Disney's Birth of a Nation is my favorite movie. So. <laughs> we're rebooting birth of a nation (laughs) it's in cartoon form so it's hilarious Uh, so so, uh the security immediately grabs up uh revic and uh they're trying to shoot him full of ephemeral uh that that uh mind-numbing scanner drug but uh the doctor looks him dead in the eye and ends up stabbing himself in the wrist and saying all right he's all good um next they see that they're can, can I say, uh, Michael Ironsides as an actor just makes the fucking unbelievable, excellent faces. So if they ever redo this, the only person that can ever do Michael Ironsides is Jim Carrey. Yeah, that is pretty true. Yeah. He, he does have that weird, fucking scary-looking face. Yeah, you, you think you're going to scam me, huh? <laughs> All righty, then. <laughs> Although I would say if you did recast it, I would just love uh, the other scanner whose head explode to be Jimmy Fallon for some reason. I really feel like him, him going, and then like, you know, like when like those like 1950s like gangster movies are like, yeah, you know what the boss says? And he ends up like holding a grenade for too long. I want Jimmy Fallon to bring that to the role of the exploding head. You know know who I actually think would be perfect for that look? Uh, David Cross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, the perfect person to have his head He practically is David Cross. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I say who I'd want the exploding head to guy to be? Yeah, yeah. Michael Moore. Ah, uh, Michael Moore. That actually kind of funny. I would like that. See, what people didn't know is that 9-11 was an inside job, and it was completely... And his head immediately And, and then his head instantly explodes. <laughs> no build-up to it whatsoever. So, uh... <laughs> Next, they're uh, they're transporting Revic uh, in the back of a car. There's a tail on him, and uh, they uh, they fucking end up he ends up crashing the other car because his powers are still intact by using his telepathy and uh it's as they all go to draw guns on him uh the car bursts into flames and then uh michael ironsides has already uh escaped and he makes the last guy just shoot himself in the head which is uh pretty cool here's the gunshot here that i played way too early before oh and that guy's dead now so Pretty can I, powerful can I add some, stuff. Some, can I add some more trivia to this movie? Sure. It turns out that uh, the whole reason they call it scanners is because they they tried to um, make scanned furniture their um, 
advertiser for the movie, so it's all based on scanned furniture. Um, that makes sense. I, that I makes just sense. made that up. I really? Oh my god, <laughs> that's weird because i thought this was based off of my documentary called scanners which is about how i can't get my hp office jet 280 to process my family photos Uh, (laughs) so uh next we go back to the um what's the company called here something tech it doesn't fucking uh, bio, matter bio biotechnical bio no uh, no you're thinking of the other you're thinking of the other one this is uh concept yeah we go back to concept and uh there's a there's a new person that's now taking over security and we get to Con meet Air. mr brendan keller played by lawrence dane here's a little bit of the new regime change within the company last night we at Consec chose to reveal to the outside world our work with those telepathic curiosities known as scanners. The result? Six corpses and a substantial loss in credibility for our organization. So this morning we have a new director of internal security, Mr. Braden Keller. Thank you. So Keller goes on to tell everybody... Uh what's been going on with the scanner program and that he technically wants to end the scanner program. Dr. Ruth, what's your response? Mr. Keller, who composed our audience last night? We had 25 financial and political VIPs from all over North America. Were these VIPs carefully screened? The screening process used was very sophisticated, yes. My screening, did we fuck their wives on their wedding night? (laughs) (laughs) Did you enact Prima Nocta as I had directed for all Consact employees? (laughs) Can can we talk to our other CEO of Consact now, the Smuckers guy? Well, I believe if we introduce more smuckers, that that we can control these scanners with, uh, you know, our special special pastries. He's probably straight up my favorite reoccurring character on the show every week, Jeremy. He's (laughs) the smuckers guy. What what about our other CEO from RoboCop? Well, if we make more robots, and then we will control all of Chicago. <laughs> okay, here's here's some more between Ruth and Keller here. And yet an assassin managed to infiltrate this group. Yes. And kill six of our people. Yes. How did he kill We have reason to believe he used scanning techniques. Then do you suggest, uh, Mr. Keller, that this highly skilled assassin, very deadly, who embarrassed us all in front of the community we were trying to impress, was himself a scanner? We believe so, yes. And that, gentlemen, is uh, my response. The weapons capability of these uh, um, telepathic... uh, Curiosities? Is obvious. There we go. So, um, a little bit of a little odd for Keller to want to get rid of the scanner program. We'll find out he's a goddamn goon soon enough. Uh, unfortunately, out of the two hundred plus scanners that they were tracking, all of them have either disappeared or left the program. But luckily, 
Dr. Ruth has one golden goose left in Cameron Vale. So Cam, though, is currently still chained up in an abandoned factory as he has to learn more about how to control his power. Dr. Ruth, what's your response? Oops, snap. Let's try that one. I think you might elaborate, Dr. Ruth. In my study of the situation, I've come to the conclusion that there is a scanner underground developed in North America. It has an organization, it's well motivated, and it has a leader. Now that's ridiculous, Doctor. You can't get two of them to sit in the same room together without going berserk. You're making a very provocative allegation, Dr. Ruth. So that I forgot to play that clip. Um, anyway, uh, back to Cameron now, uh, who is now the last hope to try to take down this evil scanner Revic, uh, but he's completely untrained. Have we gotten to the Freak point of nature. yet? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Are, are we are we to the point though where he has finally broken his silence? Right, like we're kind of past that at this point. Where he's finally speaking, Cam? Uh, he's about to speak, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much, because he's going to ask about, like, what are scanners? He's finally talking. He's calmed down to Dr. Ruth and stuff like that. Okay. Why? What do you got? Sh- share it with the group. Well, no, I don't want to get ahead of us, but once he starts speaking, I I got to say, guys, can we talk about his dialect, his cadence? <laughs> there is something unnerving about the way he speaks. Like, my pussy has we lost you there, but I was Damn guessing it. that you were saying your pussy's never been drier. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. I hate everything about... Yeah. Um, I was going to say my pussy has never been drier hearing a man speak, but then I immediately wanted to take it back because that is incorrect. I have heard Chris or Steve-O speak, and Zing. that is awful. <laughs> that, is, that is Sahara-level dryness. Um, I take so uh cameron does ask uh why scanners what are they freak of nature born with a certain form of esp the derangement of the synapses which we call telepathy could be a disease possibly or a result of radiation we don't really know why so we don't know why they exist, but that we'll soon find out is a lie. We do know why they exist as uh, we progress with the movie here. Um, he also shows them an old film of Revic uh, from back in the day. Uh, this is this black and white grainy film shows Revic in the insane asylum right after he has drilled a hole in his in- own head. Michael Ironside looks crazy as fuck in this scene. He's just like, it's just too many voices. You got to make room so they can get in there. You whole bodies. Whole bodies get in there and you just can't get them out. So you got to make it. And the band aid that's covering the hole that he's drilled into his head has a little eye on it that he's drawn on it yeah and it's just it's a nice scene i don't think there's a person that could have pulled this off better than him or a jim carrey maybe maybe another famous person who's been lobotomized on film a jack nicholson could pull it off but i'd say it's a it's a nicholson-esque quality to this scene i am gonna have to say there's someone who's currently competing for a spot in this remake for those of you who don't know rapper lil uzi just put a diamond in the middle of his forehead. Oh, yes. 
I think he is a solid contender for scanners. Yeah, these diamonds. <laughs> these diamonds help me help me get my scanning powers out, so I can write these wonderful rhymes where I mumble for eight minutes He's at like, a time. I can get bitches to take off their clothing with telepathy. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say when he was doing it, he was almost like channeling uh, D'Onofrio. Yeah, very, very much, very much oh, so. I think, so do you do you have any clip from this? Uh, yeah, so uh, I do have a little clip that kind of explains this. Here's a little uh, Jeremy Woodworth special coming right up. Sometimes you gotta Sometimes let's pressure off So annoying you wish you were dead Can't stand them voices in your Jeremy, look at you! Another another full fleshed out song, and I think your production's getting a hair better too. If I might I'm, add, 
It, it sounds as if I'm completely drunk making a song, but I'm not. It's just, that's as far as the talent goes. I thought it was good. I mean, the song made me horny because you're like, look at those veins filled with blood. I'm like, okay. Um, as, opposed, as opposed to being like propped up with popsicle sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could have written a whole song about needing blue chews and you didn't. Um, oh, I wish we had them as a sponsor. <laughs> Your girl's working on it. <laughs> Ooh. Um, that and Baldo. Um, no, I also love your uh, From Beyond t-shirt. Very cool. Yeah, you, you saw From Beyond? I did. Made me also very, very uh, slippery. That, that scene. That scene when his pineal comes out of his head, out of his brain on the table, and <laughs> Carolyn party girl and goes. <laughs> I was gonna say mid-show plug. Jeremy and I. I don't know when this is coming out. I think we might be late. But Jeremy and I have been collaborating on horror Valentines together. Check those out. We are here to help your fucked up love lives and marriages. It's me and Jay. It's definitely after uh Valentine's Day right now. Uh Great. I think this is the you last can still week. Send them. Yeah, Let yeah. that person in your life know that it may be past Valentine's Day but you're still stalking them. Yes, 100%, 100%. And whether whether or not they're really horror horror Valentines, at least they're good scarface Valentines like um even though I can't have a baby with you Take another lewd and love me still. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was a great one. I totally didn't cry over it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he does. Uh, Doctor Ruth explains that that's his arch rival. That Revic is a pretty bad dude, not just because he lobotomized himself and pulled the bandage off in front of you like a horrible episode of Doctor Pimple Popper. Um, there is. Uh, he he explains to him that that is his enemy and he must be stopped. That's me, isn't it? As you were, without ephemeral, without guidance. Is he still like that? Worse. How could he be? At the age of 22, he was extremely self-destructive. Now, at the age of 35, he is simply destructive. He has ripped the identification tag off of every mattress he's ever come in contact with. Yes! Oh my gosh, you read my mind. <laughs> he is what we call a bad boy. He owns These them. days he uses the word fag on Facebook. He says He is in Facebook jail every day. He, he he's also a member leading member of the alternative right which is his underground oh, movement <laughs> he is putting out there. he also rooted for the nazis in raiders of the lost ark he is trying to get all in the family back onto television <laughs> 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 so Revic, real bad guy, gotta take him down. Uh they have to stop Revic. Um next we see uh Keller, the head of Comsec, uh meeting with Revic at a secret location, uh which is just a, a subway station. Came up with a secret weapon. What? Someone you've been looking for, I think. Scanner. Calls himself Cameron Vale. I've seen him. And Ruth knew exactly where to find him. He's in indoctrination right now. 
Can he do anything? What kind of shape is he in? He seems to function. But there's nothing to worry about. He's weak. Very weak. Whoa. So, uh, Revic as an inside track and Keller is a fucking snitch. So, uh, this means Cameron needs more training and it's time for a little yoga session with, uh, who Dr. Ruth claims this guy can control parts of his heart and, uh, slow down his heart rate. And so Dr. Ruth gives him a task to help see if he can speed his heart up just a little bit. I want you to... Slowly release your scan, slowly, with focus. I want it to touch his heart, but not his brain. Do you understand? Telepathy is not mind reading. It is the direct linking of two nervous systems separated by space. He assures him that this guy's powerful enough that if you do speed up his heart, he'll have the power to go ahead and stop his, slow his heart back down so you don't kill him. But shit goes really bad as this guy's having a full-blown heart attack. End it. And then he says, oh, that was really easy to stop a man's heart. It was almost too easy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, if you can control your heart rate, okay, kind of cool. I want to know, can you control your sphincter? Because that's one that I haven't quite figured out yet. (laughs) But Ash, you're growing so much. You're getting there. You're doing it. I'm I'm trying. I'm some days I'm like I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger of buttholes, and then like the next the next week I I feel like the Stephen Hawking of assholes. It's not, it's not great. I'm just like I have no con. And I need a nurse. It's terrible. <laughs> so uh, Cameron then gets his first mission after that, which is to go find another scanner that can hopefully lead him to Revic and the underground. Uh, he's a bit of a creepy artist um, now after being released from prison. And this guy goes to Cameron goes to his gallery show and tries to ask the art dealer for his location. He's not giving up the goods, so he tries to scan him. But a woman scanner comes out of nowhere who will soon find out is Miss Kim Orbist uh, played by Jennifer O'Neill now Jennifer O'Neill in this movie uh, had a real uh, problem with Stephen Lack apparently they fucking hated each other on set and uh, were <laughs> will soon become semi uh, love interests in the movie and they would basically be like and cut I fucking hate your ass fuck you <laughs> hate each other working together when does that ever happen you love us ashley come on i didn't say i didn't say you guys i didn't didn't Um, say you guys i was alluding to comedy as a whole she just Uh, meant me yeah no please i love you jeremy i would die for you i'll probably die by you at the hands of you but i still i'm i'm just a lovable monster I know. So he does, uh, Cam is able to get the location of this scanner, Benjamin Pierce, and heads out to the countryside in his little art shop barn. Uh, he goes in to talk to him and says he's looking for Revic. And he lets out, uh, I like to collect what I call, I have, this is probably my fourth or fifth one I've collected. It's called Queer Laugh. And uh, here is. 
By the way, if there was somebody at a comedy show, they started laughing. I'm like, I'm sorry, you have to leave. <laughs> Why can't I cannot have this here? <laughs> if you just heard this every time you made a bit, just like... <laughs> I would, I would, my head would explode. I would scan myself at, out of existence right then and there. I, uh, I did make a note that just said, wait, hold on, I have his name written down real quick. It is. Uh, was it Brandon? No, Benjamin. Mm-hmm. That's who's laughing, right? Benjamin Pierce? Yes, yes. Yeah, I made a note that says Benjamin Pierce dot 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 retarded? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> so he does... Uh... He is a weird art dude. I, I do enjoy this guy's art, though. He he has, like, just very weird-looking plastery art and has a giant head that he just goes to go sit in and uh, speak with the guy, uh, speak with Cameron. And uh, But as they're talking, uh, a group of men with shotguns, Revix guys that are mind-controlled, are rolling up on the scene. Um, he tells them that there's going to be, uh, he's going to have a fucking bad time trying to find Revic. And uh, as he exits the thing, not giving the location of Revic up, Benjamin Pierce ends up getting fucking shotgunned like 15 times as soon as he leaves this place. Um, but our boy Cam is not is not really phased by this as he goes from inside the head and just starts... using telepathy to throw some of them off. Some people just jump off the second story of the fucking thing. So uh, Cameron, for a completely untrained person, seems to be incredibly powerful with scanning. So Because he just almost murders four people right here from the confines of a sculpture. Very exciting little scene right there. I like this scene, and I do enjoy that like Revic just has mind-controlled goons that he just sends out, and they all are rolling shotguns deep. Pretty cool. Let's not elaborate on it. Anyway, as Cameron sends out, there are times when you do that. And I'm like, I don't know what what you want. I feel like I feel like you've covered it. Like you you are the funny man. Like I don't know what no, what I could possibly it. add to this. No, you stop it. Uh, There's nothing to make fun of this in this scene. It's just t- fucking cool. So it is yeah. pretty badass. It is pretty badass. So uh, he uh, he then scans the dying Ben and uh, warns him about Revic, but uh, he'll turn you into a zombie. Stay away. But he does give him another name, Miss Kim Orbis, the lady who was at the art gallery. So uh, he heads over to Kim Orbis's place, and he is greeted by another scanner at the door. They're nice little friendly scans. They're like, ooh, you're a scanner? I'm a scanner, too. Ooh, let's do our little shockwave thing to each other. Ooh, let us gingerly touch our pineal glands. Oh. Girls do that, too. We're like, I'm an Aries. I'm a Cancer. Oh, my God. Oh my, come in. Oh, my gosh, God. Uh, <laughs> can, can, can I tell you about the most disturbing thing about the movie Hated with Gigi Allen? Uh, yes. You know, Gigi Allen pretty much would do anything because he was on heroin and everything. He's like poop and pee on stage and get into fights and everything. That didn't really disturb me. What disturbed me was after the show where he's walking around naked and some dude just comes up, walks up on him and just starts. Obviously, they didn't show it, but he's 
some dude's like digging in his ass with his fingers and i'm like okay that's that's enough for me that that hit my that hit my 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 homophobe nerve like like full throttle right there i know exactly what you're talking about because that part of the documentary is a part where it's gg allen walking naked in like an alleyway of new york and there's a guy that looks like i guess the best way to describe him is harold ramus on heroin (laughs) walks over to him and just clearly is just jamming a thumb up Gigi Allen's ass, and he he treats it with the kind of respect of like somebody who has a fly. He's like, I'm not even gonna swat at it. Who gives a shit? And uh, then- like, 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 personally, personally, you know, you know, the way T- TMI is like, you know, my wife will 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 like go go for the ass sometimes, and I just naturally go. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> These are some wild revelations. I it's playful thing, even with like a loved one. But at the same time, your natural reflex is like just run, run as fast as you can, just get the I fuck have, out of there. I have to tell you, this is I'm trying to wrap my head around this because I have to tell you, I've never for fun looked at my friend's ass and been like, I bet I can stick a finger in there. Like I've never, I've no, never. Had my like wife's that. done it, and my former girlfriend. Yeah, just me. wanted to stick something in my you ass. Just have a thick, juicy dump truck ass. <laughs> I used to. Thank God, n- nobody's gone with a fist. I used. There used to be a uh, my 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 sweet wife Erica, who was on the last episode briefly. Uh, she uh, also played rugby for many years, and there was a, a woman on her rugby team, uh, both in college and in in her women's league. Um, her name was Sloth. Uh, for her, very, <laughs> her for her appearance was very similar to that of a Goonies sloth. She didn't have. She's not. She's not what we call an asymmetrical. A symmetrical face. It was very. Uh, there was eyes in weird places. Um, but sloths go to as this giant woman sloth, who is one of the kindest souls I've ever met. Uh, she did like to walk up to any guy because she was a fucking Andre the Giant woman, so she could probably beat up most men that she walks around. Uh, but she would walk up to other rugby playing guys and just take her thumb and just give a good old and just fucking jam it in people's asses when she walked by. And then you'd look back, you're like ah, like that, and you're she, and then you'd be like, oh, it's only sloth. I, I'm sorry and then <laughs> so she was uh she would do that i think it's still her move to this day if i'm being honest with you i can't wrap my head around what's happening today i feel like each episode <laughs> we just stray further and further from god and I just... <laughs> can i have can I ask the most obvious question? Was she retarded? No, she was not. But uh, maybe okay. she was. But that pussy wasn't retarded. Let me tell you. Um, no, <laughs> that's whose pussy's better, Erica's or Sloth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one produced. I- I'm sorry. I meant to say special. Was she special, pussy? <laughs> well, all, all pussy is special, Jerry. Put it like this: uh, one of those pussies produced uh, a lovable, retarded children that helped other children get out of a cave, and the other one was sloth. So, um, let me tell you, it's just very, very exciting. Um, so, anyway, uh, outside though, as um, as well inside of this new scanner underground, where he's found these nice scanners, uh, they decide. To to reach out to see if they can all work together to find out where Revic is. And I pulled this audio clip and uh, I named it Scan Orgy because it does sound like they're all fucking in this scene. The power we can generate when we focus our scans together is fantastic. It's terrifying. 
Oh, scan me so hard, Daddy. Yeah. We can all get we can all get free cable, free <laughs> HBO, free Showtime, and free movie channel with our scanner powers. But don't don't rip off stars, otherwise they'll take off Ash versus Evil Dead again. <sighs> stars does not exist again. This is the seventies. <laughs> but we can get free MTV and see all the music videos we want. <laughs> so uh as they're all scanning though, Revix men roll in and start fucking shotgun blasting scanners left and right, which is pretty fucking wild. Uh the scanners that are alive though straight back and just light them on fire with their mind, like they're fucking Drew Barrymore. Um right out of the Firestarter film. Uh they get a couple of them and then they burst into fucking flames. Uh the rest of the remaining scanners run to get into a van. Uh but as they're uh as they're moving along Cameron comes clean that he is working for Consect and that he's trying to kill Revic. Um, but an A-team van rolls up on them and it's a whole nother group of these fucking maniacs with shotguns that open up and kill everybody except for Kim and Cameron in the vehicle. The vehicle then crashes into a uh, record store where it is tipped over. And uh, I don't remember the name of the record store that was in there, but I was reading about the movie and there was one of the investors was this record store that paid for the product placement to have like their banner above this crash scene by the time the movie was released this company was already out of business so i thought that was very <laughs> very very funny that that was a thing that happened in here very very upset that when they ran through that store they were just like rush and olivia newton giant albums all over splayed all over the floor oh god who who stepped on this oreo speed wagon you bastards uh <laughs> I like Ario Speedwagon. They are great. All these broken fly-by-night albums. Do you, th- do you think this Flock of Seagulls record is going to play itself? <laughs> um... <laughs> well, that's way into the 80s. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> so it takes... Uh, so uh, as it crashes over, Cameron and Kim escape into the basement of a record store, which is where I love to hang out, as one of Revic's goons pokes his way through the wreckage and finds that those two are missing. Now, downstairs, Kim is crushed, saying that it's all over now and Revic is definitely going to win. They're still us. I can help you. We can destroy Revic together. <laughs> you... But as they roll up, the goon cocks his shotgun and takes aim at the two there. Um, he, uh, As he's taking aim, though, Cameron stands up to show how powerful he is, makes the goon miss by aiming his shotgun elsewhere, um, and then he drops him to his knees and uh, basically gives him the location of uh, the bicarbon amalgamate. Um, or no, he takes a little vial of stuff off of him that was made at the Bicarbon Amalgamate, which is the other company we're going to learn more about here. So, Kim and Cam... Oh, I was just going to say, I do the same thing with men, Jeremy, if you haven't heard in the comedy scene. I also bring them to their knees and then make them give up secrets. (laughs) That is true. 
That's yeah. how he, that's how um, that's how she found out about. That's why she's on the show. She knows things. I was that just about she, to say be. that's how I got on the show. I was like, Eric, I want a spot, and then I made him cry. Yeah. Big on his- my wife says I, I, she'll let me have sex with her again sometime next year. That's a good goal, <laughs> very, Jeremy. Very Are good. You, she wants some rat scalps, and I want my rat scalps. <laughs> <laughs> I want 100 rat scalps, and I'm going to get my rat scalps because Mama needs a new bush covering. Um <laughs> Check out my rat panties my husband made for me. He's a bit you, of a he's a bit of a rat tamer. <laughs> ew, are you telling me it's like a rat merkin? Yes. yes. Oh. <laughs> so it's uh, a rat tail. <laughs> I never I, I I hate to say the worst uh confession of the year is I never thought that I would have to actually try to stomp a rat in my life. <laughs> It's my favorite hey. punk band, Stomp the Rat. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell fucking yeah. Hey, it's it's probably one of Bob Geldof's best projects. Mm. So uh, Kim and Cameron then infiltrate the facility rather easily, just wearing some funky-ass spacesuits. Uh, they see that Revic is in a suit, calling all the shots. He's moving, he's shaking, he's telling people where to put shit in this factory. He tries to then go upstairs to hack the Apple IIe computer that can grant him access to some information up there. Uh, this... Uh, and then uh, he realizes, like, oh, I don't even know how to use computers. What am I going to do? I can't figure out this high-tech Apple IIe technology. So uh, he ends up going back down and calling Dr. Ruth to explain that he doesn't know how to use a goddamn computer. He then tells him that he has, though, made a breakthrough, and he wants him to meet Kim, the new informant. So the gang heads back to Consec. Um Keller, though, in the meantime, meets with Revic and warns him that Kim could spill the beans about Dr. Ruth. The Apple IIe says that if he doesn't get the password right, he's going to lose all of his Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) So as Keller is telling Revic about uh, this new entrant, Kim, who could really shed light on the whole situation, um, he tells him to just go ahead. He tells Keller to go ahead and just kill Dr. Ruth and uh, who is up until this point, for some reason, been protected by Revic. So Kim and Cameron meet at the, with the contact heads, uh, but the security informants don't just let... Uh, the, the security uh, guy, Keller, does not let Dr. Ruth talk to her. He takes that interview, keeps him away. So Dr. Ruth goes and talks to Cameron and says that the uh, uh, ephemeral that you were injected was merely sugar water so that you could still have your powers within here. There is a oh. trust between us. And But she's going to get diabetes now. Oh, you are diabetic. You are writhing on the ground now. I apologize. Here, have some more sugar water. That will... If I'm not a real doctor at all, I study telepaths. I don't even know how diabetes works. <laughs> whenever, you, whenever you scan her, her only thoughts are like, mm, I wonder if I can get those little Debbies today. <laughs> mm, I wonder how many of these candy cakes can I fit within my asshole? What uh, didn't my pee. <laughs> we didn't want to fill you with ephemeral, so we filled it with crack cocaine and meth. So you should be okay. <laughs> Give me sugar and water. 
<laughs> Dr. Ruth uses uh, uh, reveals to Cameron that he used to run the biocarbon, but he left it to go and start off ComSec. But uh, Cameron then tells him that they're making ephemeral at that location as well and sending it out in huge tankers. And that the secret to all of this is the right program, which is the computer thing that he was trying to an- trying to figure out. Um, but somehow that means I don't understand how he knows that Ripe is on this fucking computer there, and that because of that he now knows that there's an informant there. But that's I guess how it just all works. Uh, I didn't understand it. Again, he was writing it at lunchtime. We're just going to accept it. So uh, he then tells uh, Cameron that he can just scan the computer. You do have a nervous system, and so does a computer. And you can scan a computer as you would another human being. I like that he just just touched the. Why didn't you even think of that, you scanning dumbass? Just it's yeah. only it only has eight kilobytes of memory. All you have to do is just simply touch it, and it'll tell you what it is. Yeah. You can scan any DOS computer, but you cannot scan an Apple computer. Mm. <laughs> Damn right protection and fucking it's a, things. Di- it's a different thing unless you can play Breakout. And Steve Jobs made Breakout. Hence, you can scan if you can play Breakout. <laughs> if you can scan a human, you can scan a computer. <laughs> Steve Jobs is a robot! <laughs> are you Are you basically becoming, the, this is the movie Dodgeball now? He's like, you can scan a man, you can scan a computer. <laughs> he, exactly. He's the Patches O'Houlihan of, 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 of telepathy. <laughs> Why don't you scan this Coke machine and get us some free sodas, damn it? <laughs> If you can fuck my ass, you can fuck my pussy. Through your logic, you can overcome this ro- this robot from centuries past named Nomad, and you can also fight gremlins on the side of a plane wing. Okay, I got it. I don't even know what the... You're going too deep in the cuts, Jeremy. Me and even Ashley is... Ashley was lost five words ago. Um, I'm on a ton of uh, Celsius. Shout out Celsius brand energy. 700 milligrams of caffeine. I'm... I go for the comedy for people 60 years and above. Hell yeah, brother. Get that Commodore 64 up in that bush. Hell yeah. So uh, next we get to see Kim's interrogation at the hands of Keller. Uh, Eventually he gets frustrated with her, pulls a gun on her, but doesn't realize that she's got her powers and uh, makes makes him point the gun away from her and eventually collapses. He, though, in turn hits the alarm. So everybody at Consect is all hands on deck. Which I don't understand how that works. It's like a fire alarm. They're like, is that like scanner alert, scanner alert? Do you know that you're just supposed to kill all scanners at that point? I don't understand. They, how do they have directions on what they should be doing? But anyway. Uh, That's a point. Sorry. Yeah, like it, they just pulled an alarm. Like, well, they don't know what the fucking alarm is. Or like, what are the lockdown protocols for this? I assume I don't know. it would be similar to like... Hitler and SSS like protocols be like they like sound the alarm and they're like there's a Jew there's a Jew within our camp get rid of the Jew you'll be able to see which one is a Jew he's got a pointy nose and he's got money bags hidden under his cloak <laughs> for the giant nose <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I think I think it goes perfectly okay because you know if you see somebody in like a hospital garb or something, you just come up to them and then they like um, you know liquefy you in like a giant bubble, like Akira. Or ah, there you go. Now we're talking. So um, Cameron goes to go find Kim instead of scanning the computer like he should have, and the good doctor thinks about it and uh, he's having some second thoughts about his life and his choices that have made because nothing says I need to think about my life decisions than a terrible startling alarm and uh he said starts- i shouldn't have given ephemera to babies yeah we basically said the the right program was a bad thing and he mumbles to himself further and then uh he all of a sudden First time was an accident fortunate for some unfortunate for others Keller comes up behind him as he's rumbling on. Oh, it shoots Dr. Ruth in the head, ending this, his storyline. This is the moment we find out that ripes stand for a uh, raping infant placenta eczema. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say raping uh, infant um, placenta egg yolks, but uh, you went a different direction, and I respect uh, that. It's not ripey. Uh, all right. Oh, God, guys. <laughs> Sorry. I, we apologize to, to, to you for... You're only allowed to make so many rape jokes in, in every episode. And I no, guess. I just felt like you weren't making enough. I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so no, rape I, jokes. I do love his explanation as he's talking about the right program, and he's like, the first time was an accident. I'm like, that's how you just make kids, period. You're like, the first time was a mistake, but we just kept going with it, thinking it would work out. The funny part Turns about out- making kids is there is no period, though. <laughs> Turns out he is the uh, head of Nambla, and right program is when kids come the sexiest at age seven. Oh, no. He's a pedo- He's he's doing uh, fucking pediatric prima nocta now. He's the worst. Um, is the sequel to Scanners Petters? <laughs> <laughs> So Cameron feels, though, that uh, feels the doctor's death and uh, he meets up with Kim as they try to exit the facility. And they I love that the uh, ComSec guards, they really went with a strong Nazi image. I felt that that was some good imagery. And they were like, you know, if we're going to do it, we found this uh, designer called Hugo Boss. I really think he could design a security uh, (laughs) security cob. I told you I felt the vibe. You know, say what you will about the Nazis they as far as racists go they had the best they were the best dressed racists of all time and we can all they're agree the, on that right they're the best dressed but like I don't know the KKK though they have like such a simple elegant style that they're just very simple very minimalist yeah like, it's white it's just some white garb it's white and modern and yet still somehow archaic and bad i like it you know you are always you have a matches point. with your shoes <laughs> i was i was just watching a a documentary on alien and they were talking about dan o'bannon who did the original uh 
screenplay for Alien and also was in Dark Star. Turns out when he was growing up, he has a notebook with pages where he made new emblems for Nazism. And one of them was like a swastika company logo, which he called Nazi Co. Which... <laughs> 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 you know, we don't talk enough about the big Nazi progress, you know? It's just... Oh, uh... gosh. I only care about Nazi Co. if they offer me the same great membership and discounts that I get at Costco. I like what you, I like that, like, Nazi Co., like, their their thing would be uh, Dress Reich for less. Um, the Nazi sad thing Co. is when you buy gas at their gas station, they always interrogate you, like, are you going to use some of this on Jews? <laughs> oh, no. Like, I'm not going to burn a Jew with every gas tank I buy. Come damn on, it. Dude. If you go to the back of the store, you can find piles of used shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Ashley, look at you, you dark bitch. <laughs> Do you need more dentures? Isn't this pile big enough for you? Oh, no, guys. Guys. Hey, look, I don't... Look, where are we trying to be more like come town every episode? I don't know. Hey, you... <laughs> I don't know why. It's because you mentioned dentures. I know we've been going off the rails this entire episode, but that's our brand at this point. Um, Mm. The great Justin Schlegel told me this uh, story about uh, an open mic where there was this guy who's a juggler, right? He he was a juggler, juggling act. And uh, he he asked uh, one of his bits was that he asked a a person from the audience, like, give me something to juggle with everything else. And this lady (laughs) gave, gave him her dentures so he handed the dentures uh, ladies dentures out of her mouth and he starts juggling the dentures with two bowling balls and he fucked up dropped the dentures on the stage and then realized he had fucked up and then dropped one of the bowling balls directly on top of it (laughs) just shattered this lady's teeth on stage and then he just went all right that's it anyway here's your next act tony woods it's just <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's the best fucking story i'd ever heard god yes. damn it, it made me laugh so hard god that's uh, one i would tape. god damn it that Sometimes is you just gotta get out of town yeah that's <laughs> just like well that'd be by the way that's the best snickers commercial that they could ever do want to get away <laughs> <laughs> Try Tony Woods. He'll fix this. Um, Anyway, uh, so uh, Cam and them, they're trying to get out of there. They run into some Nazis. Uh, Kim makes one of the guards see his mom and brings him to tears, and the other is taken out by the madness of uh, Cameron basically drives him to pure madness, and they put out the alert. What the hell is going on? It's the scanners, sir. They're out. Which means they're all turbo gay. Anyway, Cam heads out for the telephone and then reaches through the telephone lines and makes his way back to the computer system there because they're hooked up. And the computer nerds there are are basically saying somebody's trying to access it. How can this happen? This room is max security. We're plugged into the telephone system. Anybody who has the proper series of access codes could get in here long distance. It seems like a real breaking thing. We probably could just unplug the telephone systems, but that sounds stupid. It's probably some kids with bras on their heads. 
I also like that uh, the guy goes, damn it, what are we going to do? He doesn't think to just unplug the computer, which seems like the obvious choice is just unplug it from the rest of the world right now. Um, but uh, they What do- is it if it's that boy in the computer system named Bueller? So... So uh, I love the 80s, the early 80s understanding of how computers work. They decide to uh, erase everything while Cam is connected to it because that's what's really going to fuck him up. Uh, So... He is a scanner who has been absent nine times. So, so Keller then points a gun and tells him to dump everything. And he goes, uh, he's very, very nervous as he they start to erase everything on the computers. And he goes, uh, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's fine. It's just like, you don't have to you know, worry about this. He goes, no one's ever switched off a scanner before. And then uh, uh, Cameron starts to hold his head as he feels bad things happening to him all gears begin to pop and the phone lines begin to melt and the phone actually starts to melt within Cameron's hand as the fucking, it also lights a gas station on fire in between there, causing a massive explosions to the computer systems within when finally everything fucking explodes. Oh, God! And, uh, the fucking 10 Commodore 64s just land on top of Keller, crushing him to death, and then, uh, the... He puts down the melted phone and then leaves. But honestly, Cameron is pretty much okay. He's just like, you just turned off a computer and made me explode electronics. So that's how scanning works. We're making this up at lunchtime again. Anyway, they then go to see some weird doctor that uh, they were on to. And uh, as... um, uh, they find out that this doctor is giving out biocarbon drug to to the babies there, and uh, she notices that um, Ke- uh, uh, Kim notices that the baby in there is trying to scan her from the womb, and she's like, "I don't like that." And uh, we find out that basically the drug ephemeral, while it also dampens the scanner's power, it's also if it's given to you at birth, they makes you a fucking scanner in and of itself, which kind of is a ripoff. It's not a ripoff, but it's on um, the same kind of drug uh, story of um, uh, thalidomide, right? If, uh, am I am I saying that right? Correct, Jamie? Children of thalidomide! Yes, thalidomide, which was a sedative to give pregnant mothers back in the day that caused flipper babies. So it's uh, just ripped straight from the headlines there. God, I love being a woman. <laughs> I can make freaky babies so damn easy. Imagine. I, just, I love that they probably were subscribing, or subscribing, prescribing that type of stuff because they're just like, God, women are so damn emotional. Let's just shut them the fuck up. Yeah, I like I like that there was definitely a doctor who's just like, God, my wife is fucking so annoying when she's pregnant. Oh, I made this drug. It could cause fucking your children to come out like the hills have eyes. I'm willing to take the risk. Well, the um, best part when your kid doesn't come out right is you just blame the woman for that too. Yeah, yeah, classic, classic mansplaining. Um, the, the best thing about like taking crack while you're pregnant is like your baby shakes so much you can use them as like a blender for like <laughs> mixing foods and bowls and everything. That's a that's a really good hot tip, Jeremy. I was planning on doing coke again while I'm pregnant, so that way my kid comes out like super thin and hot. <laughs> yeah, so, it looks, so can we, it looks can we nine say, months, but you could have looked like you were four. Um, can, can, can we say the the newest the newest best show that that bites off of this uh, premise? Uh, what's that? It'd be obviously the boys, where all all the superheroes mm. are are 
uh, got their powers from like dr- taking drugs That's early solid. in life. Good, yeah. good callback. Good point. I like that. Good point. Yeah. What, what we're really getting at is we should give more babies drugs, and that's I think what's really lacking because only the only things that can happen is a cool circus sideshow freak. You're already helping them out, or b superpowers. There's no downside to this. Well, the truth in life is that steroids make everybody a superstar. That is true. That you is. You guys true. are both right. A dependent baby is a happy baby. <laughs> So they try to then leave the doctor's office, but Revik is waiting outside and darts both of them in the neck and takes him back to Revik's office for the final climax of this film. Cameron wakes up on Revik's uh, uh, casting couch. Uh, hopefully nothing bad happened to him. They sit and chat for a bit, and uh, he starts to break down what's going on with the drug and their history. This is just between you and me. Where's your partner, Keller? He should be here. Keller? Seems he died when you blew up his computer. By the way, that was very impressive. Keller murdered Dr. Ruth. He deserved to die. Shouldn't mourn a good doctor's death. You should celebrate it with me. I've spent years looking for you. And then when Keller told me that Ruth had dredged you up and sent you out as some ridiculous amateur spy... I try to take care of you, look after you, guide you to me. Now, why would you try to do that? Who's your mother? I don't know. So he goes on and uh, Revik uh, tells him more about his... um, uh, about his history of a of ephemeral, how it was given to the pregnant mother, something that we've already kind of figured out through context. And um, he then goes on to ask him who his father is. Can, can, can we say who this this film also um, um, definitely influenced? Who's that? The movie Twins with Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. God. <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, he uh, he then goes to say he's like, do you know who your mother is? You don't know anything. Your father, Doctor Paul Ruth. Our father. <gasps> no, that's not true. You're my brother, Cameron. That's impossible. <laughs> So they're brothers, and then... The man who invented ephemeral was very excited by this weird mutation it caused. And so was Consec. They offered to finance his experiments. So he sold him his company and himself. And that man was Dr. Ruth. That was Daddy. So that... Can I just ask... Is that what I sound like when I call you daddy? Because that is upsetting. Exactly. Exactly what it sounds like. So uh, he then uh, he then goes on to say that uh, about how they both became telepaths uh, with Dr. Ruth being their dad. The man who invented ephemeral was very excited by this weird music. He had given the prototype of ephemeral to his pregnant wife, our mother, four years before it hit the market and then again a year later. His children turned out to be difficult until he realized that the only thing that would calm them down was his drug, ephemeral. That's why we're older than all the others. 
And that's why my acting is still so bad throughout this entire movie. It's so painful. I can't. I just, I'm I'm supposed to be the hero, but I definitely talk like I fuck through my underwear and never take them (laughs) off during sex. And that's why I have no emotions. Sometimes I can't have emotions because I'm a telepath. And also... I really, I really love Thomas the Tank. I just thought I was autistic this entire time. Also, I talk like Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner in the house. So, uh, he, Revic- I thought my, I thought my dad was the devil, and I'm little Nicky. <laughs> Jimmy, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> hey, look at me. I'm a telepath. Also, here's a pineapple to stick up my dad's ass. I'm from the south. <laughs> the deep south. <laughs> so, uh, Revic then rolls out his plans for world domination while he's sending out this drug to everybody to make a powerful world filled with telepaths, but Cam isn't on fucking board with all of this. You're not cooperating, Cam. You're not cooperating with me at all. And then it's time for the big scanner off here as they as they look into each other's eyes and uh, they start the annoying scanner sound at each other in a special effects fucking ending, which I love. I love how this whole sequence plays out as they're just going and veins are popping on both of them. Uh, Michael Ironside's uh, eyes actually look bright white at one point. And a simple, uh, fun little fact about this scene is that while he's while he's scanning them, you see those white eyes, and those were actually the inserts that were used in a Dustin Hoffman movie. So those eyeballs were reused from a Dustin Hoffman film, and uh, Michael Ironsides had to put him in his own eyeballs. Ooh. Hopefully they spit-shined him up, but uh, I I kind of I love that, that David Cronenberg is such... A, an on, he's really known for being an on-budget or under-budget guy that he was just like, we gotta get white eyes. Get, I'm not making fucking new ones. Let's use the ones that Dustin Hoffman used. We'll just pop them in his fucking eyeballs and use those over again. Yeah, so. Use those from the scene in Tootsie when his eyes went white. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, the, um, as they're going back and forth, though, it is some pretty cool special effects, but uh, Cameron's face basically starts to melt during this as he's getting dominated by Revic uh, during the scene. Chunks of it start falling off. He actually gets lit on fire during the scene um, as it's all going down, and uh, it's pretty epic. Lots of blood, lots of gore, everything you want from a horror movie ending. Um Eventually, uh, it almost looks as if he's allowing it to happen to a certain extent. As uh, I, the best part is probably where, where Cameron's eyes actually fucking explode in his head, and uh, he's just a pile of meat and gore by the end of it. Um, Cameron's flesh is just reduced to nothing as his uh, his girlfriend Kim wakes up from the other room and enters to go see what's left and it's just a pile of fucking meat Kim? and we see Revic in the corner but we hear Cameron's voice it's me Kim Cameron I'm here 
I've transmorphed into a better actor called Michael Ironsides, and now hopefully you can fuck. <laughs> so Cam has transported his own uh, consciousness into his brother Revic. So Revic basically killed him, but now Cam controls Michael Ironsides' body, and now is everything is the day is saved. We've won. We've won. Brings us to a shocking conclusion of Scanners, the 1981 classic about telepathy that was written on a day-by-day basis and turned out to be a pretty great fucking film overall. Ashley Pontius, your final thoughts on your first watching of Scanners? Oh, man. Uh, hmm. It definitely makes me not want to have kids again. Um, but <laughs> no, it's it's a super fun film. I, I would definitely recommend it to other people. Probably my, my favorite Cronenberg film. Uh, it's up there. Better than The Fly. You like this better than The Fly? Which we haven't I, done yet. But I've never finished The Fly because it's gross. Oh, it's too gross for you. So this is like I the perfect. It it's too much bodily harm that you can't watch it. She means to say too much gold bloom. Oh, no, yes. I would fuck. <laughs> Not in that movie. Not in that movie. But I I would love for, for that dude to be all up in my Jurassic parts. Um, <laughs> I... What if his dick was just the fly? No, no. I don't like this. I don't even like this topic. That's how much I don't like that movie. That is fly a level dick. of body horror that makes me feel gross. Fly dick. No, don't, Jeremy. If you, if you keep pushing this, I will unleash rats while you're asleep, so your problem just never goes away. I just keep fishing rats into your basement, just to drive you insane. And by the way, I'm the one who stole your beer. I drove out to your, I drove you, out to your property just to steal. You your had beer. that hankering for natural ice like no other woman, so. Was it really Natty Ice? Natty Ice, yes. (laughs) Ow, Jeremy, you're a classy son of a bitch. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy, your final thoughts on Scanners. Uh, The scariest part of Scanners is this whole, like, telepathic thing of people, you know, reading your minds and everything, and and I would have to, like, be on the run because people read my minds and my, my mind is is the, the mind that says the n-word more than any other person on earth so I I, I, I just fear for my life all the word like oh let's scan him oh my gosh it's worse than blazing saddles as soon as as soon as scanners yeah. get around you you're just thinking don't say the n-word 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 <laughs> oh god it's a black scanner Jeremy just runs he immediately runs strong Jeremy I like that you've uh, dealt with your own uh, demons well, it's just the look of black people's face, like, uh-huh, yeah, that's him, all right, yeah, Yeah, okay. I'm sure he does want to make America great again, <laughs> I get it. Uh- <laughs> so that's great. Um, you got it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear. That uh, that brings us to an end of Scanners. Uh, Ashley, where can people find you at, love? 
Uh, you can always find me at Ashley Pontius Laps and helping Eric with the Quality Time Pod Instagram as well. You can find Eric and I, as well as many other comedians, March 11th at the Goofy's Joke House for Save Our Stages. Hell yeah, check all that shit out. It's coming up soon. Also, um, yeah, Save Our Stages is in March. Me and Tommy are doing some big shit for that show, so you guys should definitely check it out. All things Eric Comedy at ericcomedy.com. Uh, find links to all the places you can watch the show as well as our merch. Jeremy, take us out. Seal the party, Victor, with your scanning. Ah!